Hello and welcome to the Master of None podcast. I'm your host, as always, Stephen Murphy, joined by one of the regular rugby crew of Sam. We have a special guest, another interview uh, podcast, which we're, ex- we're excited to bring you, and it's Finley Bealham of Connacht in Ireland. Finley, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? Hey, brilliant. Thanks for having me on. Uh, really looking forward to this, lads. Good, good. I hope, yeah, I don't know if you have heard about us, and I hope it's all good if you have. Uh, but uh, I, I, if we have Finley on, I thought it'd be rude not to have a bit of an entrance song for him. So I've done some digging, Finley. <laughs> so you can let us, you can let us know if this was a good shout or not. But oh, I like it. So I was, I'm happy. I'm happy. Yeah, that's a that's a classic now. Um, funny you're putting that music on. Um, Jack Hardy had this like gag that he'd do in camp the whole time, and like. He'd just play like all these wrestling music themes on Spotify and then he'd be like, oh yeah, lads, come over, come over, have a look at this. And then he'd play like all these kind of old wrestling songs and it was like his gag that I would guess all the songs within like three or four seconds. And then, um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that, yeah. So I was saying if there was ever a competition for that, I should enter or something like that. But I don't know if that's something you're proud of or I'm incredibly sad, but uh Yeah. <laughs> No, we we me and Sam grow wrestling fans too. I, yeah, I take it. I listen to like uh, Randy Orton, Jeff Hardy, Bret Hart. I'm a real American on my way to work every morning. Like I'm a primary school teacher and I'm bigging it out. Like get out of the car. They're tunes, man. They're tunes. I like oh, that. I found out. So we did. We had some reconnaissance work, Finley. So I didn't know what your favorite wrestler was. So I did some digging, and uh, Joycey, the kit man, logistics manager, actually texted you last night, didn't he? And asked you uh, on behalf of the podcast. Oh, he, well, he didn't mention that part to me. Now he said he was having a, a bet with one of his sons, and um, I kind of I listed off a few of the old old school wrestlers that I would have been fond of growing up. Um, but yeah, my favorite wrestlers. Probably, well, my favorite wrestler would have been Kane or The Undertaker back in the day. I like the like the Brothers of Destruction, but was also a big fan of like Stone Cold and um, everyone around that era. It was kind of that was kind of what it was good for me. Yeah, so we we got we, look, this is how far the podcast come. We've got on the in, inside <laughs> men, Sam, in the Connacht ground doing work for us. So thanks to Joyce. We'll get back onto the wrestling though because it is a topic I want to talk about later on. But uh, be rude of us not to have you on, Finley. Have some uh, rugby talk. We'll so. Have a little bit of rugby talk, I guess, I'm sure. Yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're back, obviously, from France. Talk to us about Paris. How is sort of the team reflected on that uh, game on Saturday? Yeah, um, obviously, just finished the first two rounds. Uh, this year's Six Nations and um, obviously got off to a really good start against Wales and then put ourselves in a really good spot going into Paris and um, <clears throat> I suppose obviously going over there to 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 win and um, there was a lot of chat before that obviously France are at home and they're in really good form at the moment after beating the All Blacks um, last autumn series so we, we knew it was going to be a really tough game and um, Obviously, everyone's bitterly disappointed. To, um, but I think there's a lot of positives to to take out of that. Like, um, obviously, we left ourselves a bit of work to do after after half time. But a lot of the fight back, it, it was, there was a lot of big balls there that lads. Um, we got a, ourselves back in the game and with a chance to win it. And just goes to show that you know we were we didn't play it our best, but we were you know we got away with the the losing bonus point. And there'll definitely be a lot to a lot to work on and. Um, but some really good stuff in there as well, and that should certainly areas that we'll have to tidy up. Yeah, and for yourself now, like uh, obviously you come into a game like that, it's it's hanging in the balance. You've worked back into the team, have worked back into kind of getting back into contention after the first sort of half or so. 
uh, it's a hugely physical game. Everyone looks like they're really getting battered. What's what's your mental prep like? You know, how how long in advance of coming on do you know you're coming on? Is it predetermined? And how do how do you get yourself up for just coming in cold into a situation like that with so so much kind of going on? Yeah, so we do a after halftime. We do this kind of warm up as subs on the sideline where you get a bit of a blow on, and I think it's supposed to give you a second win. But actually, um, I don't think I've ever got a second win before. So, um, but. I suppose when I'm coming on, they just give you, you know, you're coming on next play or something like that. So, um, but I suppose one of the advantages is when you're watching from the bench, you can kind of see the game and, and see what's working well and you kind of get an idea of how it's going. So when you come on, you you have an idea of how you can implement yourself in the game from a, you know, from a defence, an attack or like a forward point of view as well. So um, obviously got limited minutes on, on the weekend, but, um, I suppose when I came on, I just knew there wasn't long left, so I could just go as hard as I could and try and make every minute count. And um, yeah. And is someone is someone beside you at points? You know, with an iPad, going, "Look, look here, here's how Tag Furlong's getting on in the scrum. This is when you're coming on. This is what you need to work on." Or is it kind of you you do the old analytical side of things yourself while you're watching it? Yeah. So they have a few um, laptops down there that you can look at, and um, obviously, I'd be. Play, paying close attention to a lot of the scrum stuff and and mores and and kind of line out uh, stuff in particular and um, obviously then we have that meeting at halftime and maybe they, we'd address some things that have gone on in the first half that have gone well or we, what we could do better. So you have a like I was saying there, you have a really good idea from being on the bench of how you can Im- implement yourself in a positive way. Um, but yeah, like it's I heard this saying a long time ago that it was not to count your minutes, but to make your minutes count. And especially coming off the bench for me, like that's something massive. And, you know, like the week before I got half an hour and then the last day I got obviously a bit less than that, a good bit less than that. And then um, it's just about making sure when you come on that you're dialed in and you, um, you make a, make, try and make an impact, but I suppose it's doing it in the right way, making an impact through your chat or your energy. Cause obviously you're, one of the fresher lads out there, lads have been on for 50, 60 minutes at that stage. So, um, yeah, it's a, a role coming off the bench that I haven't been, fortunately haven't been too familiar with in Connacht, but uh, it's something that I enjoy that challenge. And yeah, it's something, it's some, it's been good so far. Yeah. I don't know if you have the stats, but cause you were coming on at the weekend. I know when you came on, I was like, oh, I have a, a good hired kind of player cam watch on you. And, there was about four or five tackles in the first two minutes you've been on the pitch. Were you wrecked straight away or can you get through that? Uh, yeah, you'd be blown a bit because I think when I find sometimes towards the end of the games, games can get a little frantic and there's a lot more ball and play time. And, you know, lads are, from both teams are obviously fatigued at that stage. And um, like I was saying, it's like when you come on, you don't want to be like shooting out of the line and doing something silly just to, be, just to show everyone that you're, that you're on. Like you want to, implement yourself in a really positive way by you know really good chaff really good spacings and defense and when you get a chance to go off the line that you go and you make the lads feel around you're really good by your by your energy and um it's something that's something that i try and focus on and i don't try and do do anything individual try and do everything through the system but when you get a chance to be involved at a tackle or a carry or a set piece that you're really effective and you're kind of giving that energy to the other boys who have obviously been in the trenches for a while. 
Yeah, you mentioned there, Ireland are in a very good place at the moment, obviously, in terms of the rugby, you know, obviously despite the loss, but France are one of the best teams in the world and are aiming for a World Cup just like Ireland, so it's not exactly a, a, a bad loss. Um, is there a feeling in camp that these guys are building to something special in the next, hopefully, year, year or two? Yeah, absolutely, like, the the atmosphere and the, the buzz in camp, obviously, on and off the pitches, it's something that I haven't experienced uh, throughout my years, been up there. There's a really tight knit, knit group of, of lads um, and the coaches and, and players alike. So um, there's definitely something building. And obviously there's still a lot to work on as from the weekend, but um, everyone's extremely driven in the squad to to push ourselves and find any possible. And um, it's I'm just really enjoying being a part of it all. It, like every time... I'm going up to camp. I'm I'm excited about going up, and I'm I'm looking forward to to the challenge because, um, and I feel like when I'm up there and I'm enjoying myself and training hard and and working off the rugby pitch, trying to get my detail right, that I can put some good performances out there and help the team. And everyone's just trying to be the best teammate that they can to to make the other guy next to them look good. So, um, it's an incredible incredible atmosphere up there at the moment, and. We're certainly building building really nicely. Yeah, you say like with the atmosphere, the the world of social media for us as fans is great. You know, you can see these in in behind the scenes things. You can see the real personality behind all the players and stuff. Like you know, we've we've seen the last couple of weeks yourself and Keen Healy like kind of having a slag, and uh, there seems to be good camaraderie around the squad. Like does does tribalism and and provincial kind of rivalries just go completely out the window as soon as you get up to camp? Yeah, hundred percent. Because when you get up there. There's often like maybe a training week, then you enter a test match, so you have to turn the page really quickly, um, get across you know your own individual detail, but then build connections, especially for being a front row forward like that. You know your connections with your with your locks and the the props around you and the hooker and um, like even up there, you know, all the lads from each province, they're all hanging out. Everyone's gone for coffees, and um, there's a really good kind of connection there from whether they're from Leinster or Munster or also like everyone gets on brilliant and um, it's just a really enjoyable environment though um, obviously training and, and the games are incredibly tough but everyone has the same everyone's pulling the same direction and uh, it's it's honestly it's been been unreal to be up there for you know the last while and seeing seen the team building and being a part of it it's, it's been an honour for me one thing I've always wanted to know, Finley, is talk, can you talk us through, so I know you flew to France last Thursday, can you talk us through like what these do Friday to the build-up, you know, the, the captain's run, game? do you have any time to sort of explore a little bit of Paris, or can you kind of talk us through roughly what goes into that day or two before a game? Yeah, I can. Um, so we flew Thursday afternoon last week, and then we got in Thursday evening to the hotel, and um like a few lads might go for a walk or Thursday evening, just get some fresh air. Cause you know, you've been on the plane and been inside all day. And, <clears throat> and then on Friday we'd have a captain's run to around 10 30 in the morning. And then they give you, you know, the afternoon free. And then we'd have a few meetings that evening. So lads would go off and have a few coffees. And um, especially me, I like to get out and just do nothing major, like go out and stretch the legs and, and go for a coffee and go for a walk. Cause I get a bit of cabin fever if I'm, if I'm inside all day. Um, then the night before the game, we just have a few meetings and a few walkthroughs and day of the game. Um, day of the game is pretty, pretty chilled as well. Like it's just all about building and making sure that you're in the right frame of mind for, for the game. So the game day is pretty chilled. And then obviously we get to the game and everyone's uh, everyone's in a good place. 
what do you like on game day? What, what would be your kind of personal preference? Like, would you be listening to music or playing a bit of video games or just kind of reading or something? Or how do you personally prepare for a game? Um, so I don't try to think about the game too much because I've done that in the past where do I be a bit nervous or anxious about the game? And obviously once I'm in my head, the game to go as brilliant as possible and you end up playing the game five times before before Saturday evening, which is then by the time Saturday evening comes, you're, you're exhausted. Um, so I try and I kind of see myself as like a, you know, I'm like give myself time to charge and allow myself to relax. And whether that's, say, if I'm at home, I'd probably jump on Call of Duty or Fortnite and just give myself a couple hours to you know, wind down and not feel guilty about it. And then knowing when it's time to switch in and just go over my, go over my notes. And um, so it's, it's about just getting the balance right where you're relaxed and you're, you're charging and you're building really nicely and you're not giving yourself some negative energy, which is going to you know, obviously take away from my energy levels and being a tighter prop. I need every bit of energy I can get. Uh, but then knowing when is the right time to tune in and, and start focusing, thinking about like, say, for example, for me, probably going through notes before I go straight to sleep is probably not the best thing because my mind would be wired from, from everything. And I'd start thinking about different scenarios in the game. And um, so it's just a balancing act. And I feel like just over the years, I've kind of, it's still a work in progress, but I feel like I'm more comfortable with the buildup. And the big thing for me, like I was saying there, was allowing myself those windows where I can, not feel guilty about jumping on the PlayStation or going for a coffee with lads and just having a crack and then knowing when it's time to dial in and, and be switched on. And how was them Fortnite skills? We know uh, Smurf got dropped off Porchy's game because he wasn't good enough. Yeah, Porchy doesn't even play with me. He plays, I don't even know what he plays. He plays Minecraft. He plays Super now. League. Uh, uh, oh, play, he plays Warzone. Plays Warzone, but he's really, really good at it. So I played like one or two games with him. I'm not very good at Warzone. Yeah. And I've never played, I haven't played with him since. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've texted Porchy loads and I see him online. He plays with his mates from Russia or something. And then, like, I send him the odd invite, like, like, hey, man, I'm on. Like, you know, do you want to play it? And then just crickets, man, nothing. Um, but I, wait, there's a good crew of lads. I yeah. feel better now. No, I don't. Uh, yeah. I I even say to him in person, he just laughs, but he wouldn't, like, yeah, <laughs> just doesn't care. Like, um, ruthless. Absolutely yeah, ruthless. Like, there's a good few of the boys that jump online and you have a bit of crack and, um, it's often funny when if we won a game or something like that and all the kills come up at the end and maybe someone like Abraham or JB has zero kills and everyone gives a good laugh at that. So, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd, like, I'd be fun with the online gaming. Yeah, I think uh, me, and, me and Big Papa would have similar skills by the signs of it. I think we'd be more suited to that kind of game style. Abe but... just pushes everyone. Like, he'd be, we'd, we always <laughs> say it. Like, we'd be, right, we're getting settled here. We're going to get a load out. And then he'd be off in the next place and we'd be like, man, what are you doing? And he'd be like, lads, I'm down. I'm down. There's, there's people here. Like, what are you doing, man? Just let me get my load out. We'll Does he shout like Leroy Jenkins as he's running into the room? <laughs> yeah, Leroy. Uh, Abraham <laughs> Papa Lee. But he's, uh, nah, he's great crack on the, on the sticks. I, I enjoy playing with him. He's, uh, as you know, he's been on the podcast and I listen to it. And uh, yeah, he's a, he's a good man. 
I love uh, I just love the thought of an eight year old shit talking Abraham <laughs> and not realizing that he's a six foot six monster uh, human yeah, in real life. You and know? they wouldn't say it. And yeah, if they saw him, they no, definitely wouldn't be saying yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh, back to the rugby. Sorry for everyone listening. Um, you kind of touched already that you you uh, start you would start most games for Connacht, obviously, and then in the Ireland setup at the moment, you'd be more of a finisher uh, in Andy Farrell's kind of system. Can you talk to us, kind of obviously, kind of high level, but what's the differences in preparation and you know even mental preparation? Uh, when you're like a game that you're going to start compared to like obviously as you said in Paris coming on um, is there any difference in your preparation in the build up you know on the day anything at all build up a bit earlier and um, try and obviously you're peaking for for you know the first minute um, but when you're coming on the bench off the bench you obviously you don't know when you're coming on so I don't want to again like I was saying earlier like a big thing for me is I would get a bit anxious or think things a lot and then which would take away a lot of my energy and I'd feel like I would play the game a, a lot in my head so I'd often if I'm on, coming off the bench I'd just try and be a bit more relaxed but still still definitely dialed in and aware of what's going on but I definitely wouldn't be peaking for the first minute of the kickoff I'd uh, be keeping a close eye on everything and just making sure I'm staying nice and calm and, and relaxed and when I know that I'd be keeping on the pitch and when I have a an idea of that I might be coming on soon, just by the way things might be going or whatever, and then I'd kind of start, you know, start priming myself. Um, yeah, that'd be the main difference. But I would eat the same, do everything the same. Um, it's just more the the mental and, and the mental side of things where I try not to try not to play the game a few times before I actually get on. Yeah, and we're seeing like the last couple of games maybe since probably since about England of the Six Nations last year and then the Autumn Internationals Ireland have seemed seemed anyway from our point of view that they've been playing a bit more of an expressive style of rugby uh, quite quite similar to kind of the way the Connick play we enjoy going sports ground and watching the games week in week out do you think that they are similar in the in the way that they're played or coached or is it is it just it, they look similar but they're actually completely different or is there small differences or how do you feel as a player no, there's definitely similarities um, for sure with the way way both teams play, and um, which I suppose maybe has made the transition for me going up there feel a bit smoother. And um, like I've been really enjoying the way we played this kind of this year, in terms of without giving too much away, with about you know, how a bit more direct and tight line style we play and um, playing through teams as opposed to trying to play around them at times and um, a lot of the Irish stuff is, is it's, I wouldn't say it's similar, but there's definitely aspects of it that you could relate to. Um, and yeah, it's, it's an enjoyable brand of rugby playing for both of them. And I feel like the way that the two teams play, I can get my hands on the ball and I feel like I'm getting involved a lot more, which is, which is brilliant because um, I like to obviously carry and get in the defensive line and, and obviously do my work at the scrum time, which is always going to be there, but it's a, style of gameplay that that kind of suits me yeah and then in the Irish camp that you're in there week in week out is there anyone that's just impressed you someone that maybe you've seen played against provincially hadn't seen or hadn't hadn't noticed that they were as impressive a player and then you see them in the Irish camp you go oh yeah I'll have a word in his ear now next time contract is up we'll get him down <laughs> uh, who I think like they're all class players man um, when you go up there like everyone's got X factor about them it's they're all extremely professional. Uh, first to name one, I would probably say someone like Michael Larry. Um, he's seriously quick, man. 
I know we saw it against Connor and also the last day and throughout the season with him. He's been a he's a really, really dangerous man with the ball in hand. And um that's my dog there, by the way. Um the Yeah, he's coming over to me now. Um but yeah, he's someone that has caught my eye and I I think he's class. Yeah, he's he's um he's certainly someone I wouldn't want to be in open space against. Yeah. Um they can say that about many lads though. Um, but yeah. And what's it like uh what's it like training every day with the likes of Furlong and Porter? Obviously just two kind of props that you know in current form they're some of the best in the world. Like is it is it a great challenge for you also and then is it a great possibly learning, you know, experience as well? No, it's been really good. Um obviously those boys have been the starting props and then me, Church and, and Shino, we've been we've been on the bench so We've had a lot of scrum sessions and um I think the scrum sessions up there have been been really top class. Like there's a lot of competition and um you just make have to make sure every scrum that we're when we're training that you have to get everything right because if you one pack doesn't get something right that the other pack's just you're gonna get done. So um it's been really enjoyable scrummaging against those boys and and working with them with stuff on the pitch like I'd be talking to Tiger a lot about how he does you know, those out-the-back out the back passes, which I'm sure you guys have seen, which is and trying to get a few tips off him. And he's um, he's an extremely intelligent player along with his you know, brute force set and, and his carries and his tackles that he brings. So trying to get a few nuggets of information off him uh, has been really beneficial to me. And so you're training, you're training like two packs against each other in training for Ireland and Connacht. Who, who of all of the kind of loose heads is the hardest to train against when you're you're lining up and training you're like oh i don't want to be training against him today now he's an absolute brute <laughs> um yeah i'd say ports is probably up there or dennis buckley like again like i was saying like if you you know one or two percent off in in the scrum stuff and they're just gonna they'll just make mince media like uh but um i say those two boys like just the way they scrummage they're um they're obviously strong individuals but they have a really good kind of good scrum iq as well so they know what they're doing in there and then they can use their their strength to to do yeah so um like i was saying it's been really really good for me to kind of get those quality reps and training and then um build those connections with the lads around me as well who uh who's kind of you kind of said mike larry's impressed you who's been like the who would you say is the best trainer as in like the most professional always knows what he's doing is there any any show-offs in the camp <laughs> probably bundy is a bit of a show-off um yeah he's uh yeah he's hilarious um he took us through this bike session i was saying to you earlier today oh my god um but yeah no like they're all up there they're all super professional like um you know you come in the morning in the gym and then they're all in there doing their you know, prehab in the gym, making sure that the body's good to go for training. Like someone like LZ, I would think he's like the ultimate pro. Like he's um, always doing everything he can not to make sure that he's good to go, but not just himself. Like he's always talking to the same lads in his position to make sure they're up to speed and he's he's the ultimate team man. So um, someone like him is someone that I look up to in that way and in that manner and try and learn you know, those aspects from him. Some of the Baines come say hello. He said hi. He's he knows when to he knows when I'm on the phone. He's uh making He's got some reckoning. Yeah. You were born in the dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Say hi. <laughs> How old is he? Uh he's gonna be four in April. Jeez, I know, yeah. April four now. Yeah. Does he stop growing or does he keep going? 
Yeah, so Sarah, my fiance, we um, obviously when we got him, he was like like that big, and uh, he honestly kept growing till he's about two, I'd say. And like we were like, oh yeah, no, nah, like surely he's finished growing now. Um, surely like he can't, this lad can't get any bigger. And then he just kept growing. Like he get tall and lanky, and then he fill out, and I'd be like, oh yeah, that's probably done. And you look at him a few weeks later, and he's looking tall and lanky again. I'm like, what the fuck? And then. Yeah, he's a he's a specimen. Like if I if I was to say Bane would play rugby, he'd definitely be a tight end prop. He's got the neck yeah, and, the, and, the, and the build for a chair. From kind of point of view, Mac Hansen really just take the bull by the horns this season, and then the two Irish games have been unbelievable. Has he surprised you, or did you see it coming from the past few months? Um, at the start the start of the season um, for Connacht, and obviously Mac Hansen was involved in that, and he tore it up, man. He was class, and then. Um, when you saw that and saw how he kind of conducted himself in training and saw that glimpse of him there, you're like, geez, this lad's going to be something special. And then I always remember like one of the first games of the season against the Bulls, he had that magnificent, magnificent try and um, yeah, just basically confirmed what everyone was thinking that this lad's got some special and to see where obviously he's been starting the last two games and um, to be a part of that for me, like I to see, you know, he came from, meeting someone in the pub or something like some story like that. And then he's playing for Ireland Six Nations. It's been a, it's been unreal to see that progression in him. And uh, we'll move on to the Connacht stuff, Finley, obviously, but before we get into the current season, let, we'll go back, back in time to 2010, uh, when you kind of moved to Ireland. Can you talk to us if you can remember that far back, how did that move to Ireland kind of come about? When did it first get suggested? Were you, were you up for it at first or were you reluctant or? Yeah. Um, that was a, obviously I was only nineteen, just turned nineteen, and um, obviously I knew that I wanted to play rugby professionally. Um, and at that time, I wanted to obviously the part natural pathway would be to play Australian twenties and then to move forward. And um, unfortunately, after school, I didn't get into the Brumbies Academy because they said I was too small. And then um, obviously, then I knew the pathway that I had to play twenties, and I've got a a lot of Irish uh, in my family and we would have visited Ireland. Oh, like I lived in actually Enniskillen when I was a young kid. Um, we, I went to one of the schools there and uh, funny story, actually not a funny story, but uh, funny now, but not at the time. I might've wet myself in one of the schools in Enniskillen. Uh, <laughs> then we moved back to whatever. Yeah. And then we moved well, back can't to just, Australia. Can't just yeah. gloss over that, Finley. We're going to yeah. have to get some context. Uh, man, I was only eight or nine, I'd say, and then I was a bit, I was shy, and then I didn't want to ask where the bathroom was, so I went the whole day without trying to go to the bathroom, and then not, I was about to say shit hit the fan, but it was, it was, yeah, it wasn't, it was, it was a week, but um, it was a week. Okay, yeah. I thought something scary happened. No, nah, nah, it, was, it was all good, man. Um, anyway, uh, so I had a lot of Irish roots. Um, my whole life and and through my mum's side of the family and um obviously moving i've been to ireland a lot as a kid but going up to ireland you know by myself and i was up at ulster originally and it was obviously a big challenge rugby wise and then personally as well because you're only just turned 19 and um you're kind of moving away from your your friends and family and everything that you've ever known and um obviously i'd be lying if i said it wasn't tough because it was extremely tough and I missed home loads when I was over in Ulster at the start. And then um, went to Irish 20s um, 
and just a week before his 20s, like Gary Longwell, who was the the Ulster Academy forwards coach, I think at the time, just like come up to me like a week before we went and was like, oh, mate, it's been great having you. Like, thanks, like, thanks for everything. And I, I was like, well, like, obviously I'm not staying on here. Like, it was, that's how that conversation went. And then was it 20s? And then I was like, fuck, like, I really want to be a professional rugby player, but I miss home. And I just didn't, didn't know what I was going to do. And then fortunately, Nigel Carolyn got in touch, who was the kind of academy coach at the time. And um, it was like, look, there's an opportunity for you down in Galway, like, and you'll be training full-time with the, with the pro team, been in the sub-academy. And um, so, sorry, I was going to go down in the sub-academy and then train with the professional team full-time and um, just try for the rest of the season just to see how I got on. And um, literally immediately from when I came to Galway, like, I... I love the place and love the people. And um, it was definitely felt a home away from home, definitely. Um, and I was in Gordon-Akoraba with all the other lads. And naturally, that was a bit easier to kind of get to know people a bit better. And I remember Kira, I was with Kira Mami and then, and then lads. And me and Mom's have been friends for since then. And we've been really close since then. And Jack Carter was there as well. I could go on and on about who was there. and. Um, <clears throat> then just yeah so obviously i still found it tough been away even though when i when i first started connor but as time went on i grew to really love connor the club and then in galway the city as well and um i'm just so fortunate that nigel got in touch because if he didn't get in touch i wouldn't obviously be sitting here talking to you now and um yeah so that's a it's a it was a tough tough journey leaving that young age but it's something that I think's really stood to me in terms of being really resilient and been able to deal with setbacks and because obviously it was a not an easy ride but it's definitely stood to me and you land in Gordon Acaraba of all places like one of the one of the best places to land if you want to try and like get young lads to enjoy Galway because it's, it's yeah, like, yeah. Gaudis is right there half of the student population live within 200 meters of you I'd say was it tough if you're a professional rugby player sitting there trying to kind of be good and having just mad parties all around you or were you kind of down the quieter end of Gort? Um, see, I think at that stage, because we came in the summer that all the students were actually gone by then. So oh, okay. we, so it was just all the rugby lads, basically. And then, um, yeah, but I think like my second week in Goy, it was uh, race week. And obviously, you know, Goy and race week is bananas. And then... Um, I was like, fuck, I love this place. Like, it's class. <laughs> and, um, but yeah. And then, yeah, it's just been, obviously, that was a long time ago now and dealing with all that. And it's really kind of stood to me, like I was saying, about being resilient and dealing with setbacks because um, I suppose I had to really fight from where I was being a 19 year old in, in Canberra, Australia. Really wanted to be a rugby player. All I wanted to do was be a rugby player and had to, travel to the other side of the world and and make it happen for myself and fortunately i've been got a few lucky bounces of the ball along the way but uh and managed to make somewhat of a career of it so it's been it's been uh yeah it's been unreal and one of them i don't know if you consider this uh just a, a sliding doors moment in the career but was it dan mcfarland moved you from loose head to tight head about 2014 uh and was that something you were open to or reluctant or how was that change um, so I remember we finished the season, it must have been the 2013 14 season, and went in for like the end of the year review, like your individual review. And they were like, Man, I was like 105 kilos, like I was 
skinny man. And uh, they were like, yeah, like we want you to you know, come back as heavy as you can and we want you to play tight head. And um, I was like, oh, yeah, sweet. So I came back, like, <clears throat> came back with like 120 or something ridiculous and then uh, went into tight head. And like all young tight heads, you kind of, it's like a trial by fire. Like you're um, definitely even still, you just have to take those learnings. And I remember, I started the preseason game and I can't remember the French prop's name, but it was that the big blonde guy. Uh, he was playing for Clermont and absolutely done us. But it was those kind of experiences that you learn from most as a tight head, especially a young tight head that I was at the time. And um, as well with Dan, that move obviously has really worked out well for me. And um, I have to be really thankful and thankful for him for kind of seeing that in me. And I suppose telling a young lad who's, skinny 105 kilos to gain as much weight as possible and he must be like oh, I don't know what's going to happen here and then um, fortunately I was still able to be reasonably mobile at around 120 so um, it worked out well What's so if someone told me to put on 20 kg I know what I'd do I'd just have like takeaways and chocolate and stuff like that I, is that what you're doing as a professional player or is it <laughs> a lot more controlled and a lot more gym orientated No I just tried to eat like really good food but lots of it and probably just did a lot more weights and stuff like that so I could kind of I actually would have been like looking at like obviously it was a good few years ago now so it's not like YouTube now we could go on and see what people are saying but I was like looking at like all these old bodybuilding people and seeing like like Dorian Yates and stuff like that and trying to get like any bits of information I could about trying to gain gain as much uh, muscle as possible but I say when I came back at 120 kilos and five or six weeks it probably was more fat but uh it, um but i i i tried my best to put the weight on and um yeah it was just something i had to do and i was force feeding myself and drinking protein shakes all the time and i was living with connor finn and on mccarran at the time and i think we were all in the same bracket of lads that needed to pump the weight up and like we were all cooking good foods and stuff but we're just eating like an ungodly amount of it it was horrendous like we'd be sitting there with a full plate of like a curry or something and then i'd be like i just can't even eat this like it's like then we'd have a scale a scale in the kitchen so we eat our food and then go stand on the scale and be like oh yeah like my weight's good my weight's good uh, <laughs> instant instant gratification yeah yeah this is working this is yeah this is easy um just on your move to loose th- and tight can you just kind of explain vaguely again for people who might not know like the differences in playing loose and tight like the smaller kind of intricacies that we might not know obviously watching the scrum um yes yeah, so obviously loose head is the prop that would have his head on head on the outside of the, of the tight head and um i just found being loose head that i'd always my hips and stuff would always come out and i just it's a bit more i don't want to say it's a bit more technical but it's just there's pressure going in in different kind of directions and um i think naturally when i went to tight head it just suited the way i could build power more like so i would describe tight head more as like it's like a, a a squat so you're kind of more in like a straight plane and then lou said that you're obviously on the outside of the scrum and there's a bit more going on and um trying to really make that a really basic explanation but uh I think just the way tight head was it's you know you're going in nice and square and then you try and get into good body position very similar to a squat and 
like I was saying there, that just came more naturally to me. And then it was just then about putting the mass on so I could kind of transfer a bit more power and a bit more weight through. And then obviously playing for Connacht, you were part of the, the famous 2016 Pro 12 win. Do you think back to that season much? Uh, is it still in the mind or, or kind of a, what do you think of that win and the whole season in general? Is it something that you'd go back to or do you try and kind of park that and say, look, at the end of my career, I'll look back at it? Um, I watched it. I think they showed it during like the first lockdown and that was the first time I'd watched it since um, since the game because obviously I remember we played that game and then I was in camp a couple of days later and then we were off to South Africa for the Irish team. So it was kind of the way it is with rugby, like you have a good win and then it's on to the next one. Um, but so we weren't down in the Pugon until midway through October, like some of the lads, no? No, no, I, I was there for a few days and then I was like, fuck, I have to go up to, to camp now. I better pull myself in. Um, but uh, I would look back on that really fondly. Obviously, when I retired, it was a massive day, obviously, for myself and but not just me, just for, for the club and the community and um, get to lift that the trophy that day in Edinburgh was um, to be part of that. and it was something I'll never forget. It's something I'll cherish uh, forever, for sure. And I remember that season we wore the jersey wearing there as well. So that was a it was a whirlwind of a season. And um, like we got our first win against Munster and Tottenham Park, and um, some other really good wins throughout that year. And I think we just built a really good foundation at the start of the year when the World Cup was on, and then had a lot of momentum coming in from the end of the season, like beating beating Munster and Galway and. I think the two Glasgow games back to back. So we had a lot of momentum coming into that that final game. So um, there was, was there, a, yeah, like a, yeah. There was a preseason game. I don't know if you were involved in it now. But it was in it was down in Thoman Park just before that season, and we had been at a sevens tournament there that day. And they kind of announced that you could get free in if you had tickets. And we said, oh, sure, we'll definitely go to that. And uh, put a big score on Munster, and I kind of went, geez, this this now this could be a good season. And it kind of just went from strength to strength from there, like. Yeah, I remember that game because we uh, obviously Munster were missing a few players, but um, I think typically back then it would have been rare. It obviously, well, obviously it was rare even in a preseason game uh, to go to Thurman to win. And like I know it was only a preseason game, but to win in Thurman in a preseason before we won in Thurman in the Pro 12, um, that gave us a lot of confidence. And um, there was something special brewing in the group from that year that in that preseason and I remember we went to oh where do we go we went somewhere away anyway for a few days as a squad and um did all Russia. this kind of team building stuff like where it wasn't Russia no that Russia trip that was the same year yeah as fuck well. we had the Russia trip that year as well oh yeah. man that was see I almost forgotten man it was a whirlwind of the year but uh I was saying there's something really special that was brewing that year and fortunately we had a lot of momentum at the end of the season and um I'm just thankful I was a part of that and it's something I'll never forget. This season uh, for Conant, a bit more hit and miss, unfortunately, than the 2016 season so far. Um, like, How do you personally look upon the season so far? Do you do you look on it more positive than some people would or are you more negative? Um, yeah, that's a tough one, isn't it? Like, um, I think we've obviously had some, you know, at the end of the day, as a sports team, you're ultimately judged on wins and losses and where you sit in the table but I think um, throughout this year there's been some extremely good performances and lots of positive signs that we really head in the right direction and um, it's just been you know, a couple of losses I think the Dragons went at the start of the season that was um, 
one of the ones that was tough to take. And but then we've had some really good performances like Ulster and the Viva, Munster and Thoman, which obviously we lost, but um you know, we had a had a really good performance that night. Um Munster at home, uh New Year's Day or New Year's whatever was another really good game and said Leicester at home game, sixty minutes in, we were had a really good performance and we showed that we could you know, Leicester obviously were unbeaten at that, or I think they only lost one game at that stage uh, in the season, and it kind of showed that when we're on, we're able to compete with with Europe's best. And I think then it's more about, I know it's been said for a few years, but getting that consistency where obviously we don't want to be a team that just gets up for for Interpros or Europe games. We want to be a team that you know puts teams away regardless of if it's a you know a less perceived. You know, if it's perceived worst team, or if it's a better team, it's a, it's irrelevant. You're still, um, you're still hungry to to win, regardless. Um, obviously, haven't been in for the last few weeks, but um, talking to some of the lads, there's been some some serious words said, and um, looking for any improvements that they can get. And um, I'm sure that they're playing scarlets this week, that there'll be a reaction. And um, I know now where we sit in the table, every game counts, so we're going to have to win as many games as possible to make sure that we can qualify for European rugby again next year. So um, I'm sh- I'm really positive about how we've gone this season. It's just about building that consistency for me. And I know when we're on and we're playing our game and, and we're all dialed in that you know, we're tough to beat. And like the Leicester, Leicester away, Leicester at home, Munster away, Munster at home, like, and like we've shown that we can compete at that level. It's just, again, that consistency. Yeah. And, like you, you mentioned all those games and the Ulster game as well it stands out to me that some of the Bulls game given the weather like it was amazing to see it's it's it looks expansive and expressive and it looks like everyone kind of buys into you know just being confident on the ball as a prop it's not the traditional role of a prop but you definitely seem like yourself and Buckley uh, Duggan uh, Berkey they all seem like lads look confident to get the ball in hand is that something that you enjoy uh, being, being a prop it might not necessarily be the way that you, you kind of traditionally would view the game but you definitely seem like it's natural to you so is it something you enjoy doing and a, a style of game that you enjoy yeah I definitely like I played a lot of rugby league as a kid so I was obviously a prop in rugby league as well and you did a lot of ball carrying and um, obviously it, it's different but the way you carry rugby union but um, I've always had a love for, for carrying and it's been a big work on for me for like the last year it's just you know working on that carry and being able to be dynamic and you know, give go forward ball to the team, and um, I feel like the way we're playing now, it really suits the way I like to carry. Where I like to come onto the ball hard and square, and just be able to basically just run as hard as you can. And if someone stops you, then fair play. But uh, that's it's something I enjoy. It's an aspect of the game where I think I can, especially being one of the big lads on the pitch, that I can impose myself physically. Um, it's definitely an area that I still want to continue to work on, and. Um, like even been up in camp, I talked to like Josh Vanderfleer about how he's getting his carries because he he was saying he's been working on them for a while and like his carry now is a joke, man. So um, if I could, like I was saying with Tiger and the outpasses, just about picking up you know little bits of information that can kind of set you up for success. And again, like I just want to keep improving on on all that stuff. And then when I get to come back and play with Connor, it's just about expressing myself. Does that meme go around the camp now that Josh Underfleer has been working on his carrying? Because that's a that's all over Twitter every time he touches. It's, the it's a running joke on Irish Twitter. I wonder. I wasn't sure if you were. Yeah, yeah I no, wasn't I sure if you were doing. I'm not in on it, man. I'm not in on it. I just know his carries. I just know his carrying's unreal, man. 
It has really improved, but I think it's like all the analysts and pundits were like shoving it down our throats that he's been working on it in trading. And then, like, oh fuck, I no, I wasn't in on that. I was definitely. In on that. It, it's my girl, <laughs> my girlfriend's go-to. Like, oh no, I, I watched the rugby, you know, chat when she's in a pub as well. She's like, Josh Vanderfleer has really been working on his carry. <laughs> oh stop. Yeah, that's oh. good. That's good. Uh, uh, you know, you were saying you're in camp there. What's it like watching, say, the Glasgow game there? Like a tough loss. What's it like watching and not being involved, not being there? Is it is it tough? Yeah, I find it tough because I find a lot of games tough to watch when I'm not playing because I kind of look at it from the position of like how I've done. Like I would like to have gone out there and been a part of it, and whether it's a win, loss, or draw, like I still would always find it tough. Like I fortunately been blessed not to be have too many injuries which has kept me out so seeing the old game I'm not involved I, I find it tough um, but yeah it, some of the some of the games yeah I, I I watch them I'm just like fuck I'd love to be out there and give them that a right crack but um, obviously you can't be a part of them all so um, definitely find it tough yeah it's a, it's a young squad, especially in the, in the pack. Does it excite you seeing the young talent sort of surrounding you there, the likes of Dowling, Murray, Prendergast, Duggan, to name a few. There's a lot more, but is that exciting to you to see that? Yeah, no, I love it. Those boys are, you know, they're energy bad, so they, they're always uh, always in early, full of beans, um, especially the likes like Team Prendergast. Like, he's always in doing his work-ons and he's just so keen to strive and, and get to be the best player he can be. And like, even for me, like, obviously I'm on a bit, on a bit now compared to him, but uh, he's um, players like that, that are coming in and they're just trying to be the best player they can. It's, it's really motivating to people like me. And um, it kind of inspires me that like, I can still grow and like, we can all still grow. And um, it's exciting to see the, you know, the young lads coming in to the squad and how well they've done and I'm hoping that, you know, they keep those performances up and, and then hopefully we'll get recognised um, in, in the international setup. Does that push you? Like, we're talking young young fours, but there's like a wealthy young props. Uh, you've got, you know, Duggan, Burke, uh, Sam Elo and the Finn Wrights in the academies only after coming over and I think someone, Royden Swift, I think we've signed for next year according to South African newspaper. Does does that push you? Like you see these young lads coming through and kind of go, "Ah, no, here, this is my spot. You can." You can <laughs> get mine. I meant if I was younger, I'd be like that. But now it's great to because I understand that obviously there has to be like the way it goes with rugby is that you know there's lads coming in and it's just about me trying to pass on as much as I can to them and they've been they've been unreal like the the likes of Sammy and. And uh, Berkey this year, in particular, Berkey's been, you know, he's been unreal and working with him obviously closely and them scrums like them boys have been a joy to work with. And I, um, I just really enjoy the energy that they're bringing to the squad. And um, regardless of it's like a win or a loss, they're still kind of buzzing to come in on a Monday and try and get as good as they can. And um, that certainly spurs me on. The Andy Friend is, seems to be universally loved by the players and to be honest with you, everyone in the world. Um, how has he affected you since he's arrived in Galway? Oh, Friendy, yeah. I, I um, me and Friendy went to like one of the rival schools in Canberra. Um, so I went to St. Edmunds College and he went to Canberra Grammar. Uh, By the way, sorry to interrupt you, Finley. St. Edmunds has quite the the history of producing rugby players from what I've seen on Google today anyway. All the Fiangas, yeah. uh, George Gregan, uh, 
uh, Matt Gitto. Is that, are they all correct? Yeah, 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 100%. There's a few other, like, rugby league guys. Ricky Stewart was there, and I could go on and on. Like, there was a, it was a big school Billy for, for rugby. as well. <laughs> uh, it was a big school for rugby, and um, obviously that definitely would have spurred me on to be to be a professional rugby player at a school like that. And, you know, there was a Hall of Fame list every day that you'd walk into school in and you'd see Joe, not just rugby players, but people from that have gone on to do all sorts of things in life and to see people that have really achieved something great and that was something that motivated me as well. Um, but back to Friendy, I get on brilliant with Friendy and um, personally and professionally as well. I think the biggest thing for me is that obviously he likes I like to be a bit of a character in the in the team and have a bit of crack and um but he just lets me be myself and lets me be 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 you know the energy giver and let have a bit of crack and um and I think that's kind of helping my performances on the pitch so I'm feeling comfortable coming in every day and obviously I'd be a bit uh don't know how to explain it. I'd be a bit mad in a good way but um, he he's all for it. And uh, we often would talk after most games, just like a one-on-one chat and um, just talk about obviously the team stuff and, and my performance. And um, again, it's just like, I always try and pick up any bits of information that he's seen about my game that he thinks could have some work-ons. And um, it's the same with when I ask the boys at the carry and all of the doing that, the back passes and stuff. It's just about picking up little bits of information that I can maybe make my performance the following week one or two percent better. And um, But he's been brilliant, brilliant for me and I've thoroughly enjoyed working with him for the last three or four years. He's like, did this summer in particular, he's overseen kind of a huge, big transition period of a, a big change to the coaching ticket. Like Pete Wilkins changed position, Collie Tucker and Massey Lawler moved up uh, from was the academy and then Dewalt Senegal come, came in. From listening to him talking and kind of seeing it, is he seemed to have empowered his coaches a little bit more to kind of run it himself. And he's not taking a step back, obviously, but just seems to seems to kind of allow them to kind of go about their work a bit different from his his own words. Anyway, uh, has there been a big change like that? Have you seen him seen that kind of transition or seeing that transition? Um, I suppose a small bit, chair. Yeah. Like um, obviously, Pete Wilkins is the the senior senior coach, and he's I honestly think. Like a lot of Pete's stuff is is top class. Like he's a he's an unbelievable coach, and again, I have a great working relationship with him. And um, along with Mossy and Cully, the they're they're great as well. And I honestly, I think our coaching ticket is top draw. Like it's class, and I think the way that we've tried to play the game this year, coming from them and their messaging and stuff, has been superb. And um, it's like another reason why, like I it was no no brain to sign on was we had we have top class, top class coaches um, around and um, I'm looking forward to working with them for a few more years. What's you've obviously been lucky enough to be under Pat Lamb's tutelage as well now as Andy Friend. Is there any major differences between the two coaching styles, or are they more similar than we would think? Uh, I don't I have to answer that diplomatically. Uh, not, not in a bad way just you know different characteristics uh, is all they're, they're different they're different yeah um, I got on great obviously with Pat as well and, and got on get on brilliant with Friendy um, they do things obviously different um, they're I wouldn't say they're similar um, I'd say they're a bit different but again they're both top class coaches and 
um without getting too much into it i would just say they're different yeah you said uh like carrying something you've been working on uh is there anything specifically you set yourself a goal for like the, the rest of the season or next year that you're going to be working on again uh, I often would do like goal setting in terms of oh, my dog's up coming back here. Apologies. Um, so yeah, so like I was saying earlier, I obviously had to work on as my carry um, from last season to this season. That's still a constant work on for me, and that's something that I think that I still have a lot more room to grow. So that's an area that I'll continue to work on, and I think it's more just about sharpening all the all the tools and making sure that every area is just or kind of improving one or two percent along the way and doing a lot of work with Cully, Cully Tucker on my uh on my jackling stuff and poaching. So um I'm hoping I might get a poach maybe in a few weeks. Might be a bit longer. But uh if I could show that skill off that would be that'd be brilliant. There's a few good poachers now in the squad but between Connor Oliver just hoovering up every poach and uh, Buckley Buckley's been good for one in the last few years as well. So you're gonna have to try and wedge your way in between them. I know, I know. I'm just waiting for the, the right opportunity and then I'll go for it and then I'll get one and then I can just tell everyone, do you remember that poach from like back then? Like like I can do it. But uh When uh, when it happens, yeah. Finley, we are we'll we'll really cement it home on the on the podcast that week. We'll <laughs> oh, really like yeah. we'll really break it up. So don't worry. We'll we'll, Thanks, we'll help you out there. Yeah, that 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 poaching's been an area that I'm trying to work on and um hopefully see some reward for that in, in the uh coming years months well uh we'll, we'll sum up the connex stuff uh you know as coaches and the coaching staff do they set goals now for the rest of the season do you personally set goals for seasons or is it more of a let just take game by game um i have a couple like mid-term mid to long-term goals that i would have and then each game i obviously would have focus points going into each game that i want to do really well so say if we had a game this weekend i'd have Four, three or four things that like I want to do really well, whether that's keeping my leg driving in the collisions or getting forward at scrum time or just stuff like that. And then after each game, I'd give myself a rate on how I did and then previewing the next week, how I'm going to play my week. I'd look at what went well for me in the game and then say if my tackling was a bit off, then I'd be like, right, well, this week I'm just going to do a bit more of, an, bit more of a focus on my tackle work. And it's just a cycle of that and making sure that all my axes are nice and sharp and again if there's an area that was lacking a little bit then I'll put a bit more focus into it the following week and, and bring it up to speed with what went well cool uh, we'll, we'll move on to the next topic and this is a topic that we've already started touched on but it's the wrestling <laughs> because I'm fascinated by it I said we all we all grew up fans my older brother was a huge wrestling fan we were all in that that attitude era was I think the attitude we all kind of grew up in um, Murph, you're definitely too young for Attitude Era now. I'm only two years younger than Finley. I'm good. We're good. We're, good. We're all similar. We're all similar age here. We're all in our twenties. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're close. We're close. We're close. Yeah, give me. Um, yeah. Well, what what made you love it as a kid? What drew, what drew you to the wrestling? I just remember when I was like seven or eight, and I was flicking through the telly with my brother, um, and then we went to Fox Sports, which is like the Sky Sports here in Australia, and then. Rob Van Dam was fighting. I can't even remember who he was wrestling. And then, ever since that, we, me and my brother, loved it. And um, Monday Night Raw used to be on on like a Wednesday afternoon in Australia. So we, me and my brother, would get home from school as quickly as we could, and then sit down for a couple of hours and watch Raw. And then 
Friday night SmackDown would be on the Friday when we got home from from school as well. So Wednesday and Fridays TV was sorted, and um, I, was, I, don't, I don't know why I love it. I just was always drawn to it. Um, obviously, don't really watch it now. Um, I kind of stopped watching it maybe five or six years ago, but um, yeah, it was definitely something when I was growing up that I was obsessed with. Yeah, I think uh, I think everyone kind of around our age would be big into the WWE. I think that Attitude Era, the Stone Cold, the Rock, all that charismatic sort of people, they uh, they really drew us all in. Uh, I was always big into the Hardy Boys now and dislocated my shoulder trying to trying to <laughs> swan time bomb out of a tree onto my sister. Yeah, so. yeah. they always <laughs> say that don't try this at home and then they'd be like, please do not try this at home. And then I'd be looking at my brother and be like, didn't see that. Oh man, any any kid on the road who had a bouncy castle for their birthday, it was like, oh, yeah. over, we're trying, we're 3D and someone threw a table. Oh. I felt sorry for my sister because uh, when we were kids, me and my brother used to do, like double choke slams into the pool and like just shoot and stuff, man. But uh, so I, I, yeah. I was the younger brother, so I was the one getting the shit kicked out of by my oh, older British. brother. So yeah, so I, I got rock or uh, people's ch- people's elbowed more times than I can can, can count. Yeah, yeah. Was it uh, Joycey? Uh, or Martin Joycey? Uh, he's messaged us and he asked to ask you about your previous career as a wrestler. Uh, is there any footage of it, or is it a, is it all behind closed doors stuff? Nah, that's I I, I haven't heard about any of that. I think that's uh, I think that's, <laughs> that's that's definitely a lie. A hundred percent a lie. Well, you wouldn't lie to you boys. I wouldn't lie to you boys. I come you... on here. I'm I'm a, I'm an open book man. I died. You, uh, <laughs> you're not secretly Rey Mysterio behind a mask, are you? No, no, no. I, man, I'd love to. Maybe in another life, I'd uh, go down to Florida and be a wrestler. But uh, I don't know. Back when you were 105 kg, that's when you were Rey Mysterio. Yeah, fair. It was, uh, yeah, 100%. Uh, any other lads in the Connor squad grew up wrestling fans as well, share your interest, or are they all kind of looking at you like you're a weirdo? Um, they probably say they wouldn't, but they did. They're liars. Um, I was, I was uh, in the car with Pete from Peter Marley from months to the last day, and then I was playing all the wrestling tunes for him, and he was a big wrestling fan as well so i know that they're out there they're just i think they're just a bit shy about um i think they're i think they're a bit shy about putting it out there but uh i know there's a lot of wrestling fans out there there'd be a, a solid battle royale there in the conic training room or if you had a, a big like a four-way tag team match who'd you be looking to tag up with partners i tag with abraham Oof, Lima, yeah. fafita Oh yeah, the two of them. Uh, the two of them now would be unstoppable. They'd be like, and probably um, who else would be brilliant? I reckon T-tier. Connor Oliver and Sammy Arnold. T tier or Connor Oliver or someone hardy like that, and then hopefully we burst the scrum halves or something like that. It'd be brilliant. <laughs> Poor Blade. Yeah, geez, Blade yeah, yeah, would be like yeah. a jumping bean. Now he'd be trying to hundred percent. We give him a three D. <laughs> yeah exactly when you were growing up then did you have your own nickname did you have your your finishing move your song all planned out uh i think my finishing move would have been the choke slam, which was done by kane the Antigua. it was a pretty simple maneuver um i often still would try and do it to like lads today and then you know, you'd grab them by the, the throat and then you flip the arm over and then they kind of jump for you and i'm like look how strong i am and then they but they jumped uh, do you think but, yeah those would be my favorite you whipped it out on the pitch. Do you think Frankie Murphy or TMO would be giving you a red card then? <laughs> I um, measure come in with a yeah with a just choke slamming someone with a bit of handbags. It would be hilarious. Yeah, well, um, I'd say there'd be mitigation. You could say something along the mitigation. No. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I'd be like, mate, mate, it's wrestling, mate. It's, it's yeah, like, yeah. It's fair, enough, fair enough. Fair enough. He's been he's been running his mouth. He deserved it. Yeah, hundred percent. He challenged me for my belt, man. 
<laughs> yeah. We've got the, the uh, obviously the big change up, the sports grounds getting a new surface and then getting developed in the, the next few years. Think a big, big Royal Rumble style Titan Tron, maybe a taxi sticking yeah. out. Yeah, the and then the smoke things coming out when we run out and stuff would be pretty lit. Entrance musics, would you would you have a tune for what what would be? Oh fuck! Um, I go, I'd be like, I do what Undertaker did at WrestleMania 17. I'd have you know Limp Bizkit rolling, oh, and yes. then come out, everyone come out in the motorbikes. The Harleys, can we get yeah, a Harley sponsorship? Yeah, yeah. I actually wanted to get a Harley to be like Undertaker, but uh, my missus uh shot me down every time i've brought that up so um yeah finley you just just buy it and then say sorry <laughs> yeah don't ask don't ask for permission mate exactly exactly uh we, we've got a few questions that were sent in as well so we'll finish on these so uh, i'll do the first two here brian quinn on twitter asks if you could pick one player to join connacht in the world who would you pick good question uh i think ches and colby thank Fit right in with the game plan, yeah. No, nah, we're we're all for that too, yeah. Cheslin. If yeah, you're listening, yeah. Cheslin, come on over. Poor Cheslin, yeah. no, he never arrived in the sports ground. It'd be wind and blowing. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Fair. Next question. Next question could be a bit personal, Finley. So let us know if it is. But Christopher O'Neill, I don't know if you know Christopher O'Neill on Twitter. He says, "Do you miss living in Dominic Street? And is there any truth that you paid <laughs> more?" In- did you pay? Have you paid more in car repairs because of the narrow pillars than you did in rent? Man, so I used to live in an apartment on Dominic Street. And if you're ever there, man, no word lie. This like, you're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to drive a car down. Like, it's this big, man. Not the one like, beside Rouge there with the gate, is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. But, yeah, man, no. yeah, it's rough, man. It's rough. I learned the hard way. Um, but yeah, so I had. That's why you need the Harley. Yeah. Yeah, if I had the Harley, I'd be sweet with the with my um, with my bandana on everything, man. I wouldn't be stopped. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that, that that might be true. Um, good question, Christopher. Yeah. Good question. We have uh, one Keno now, who's a uh, he's our probably our only Leinster fan listener. Uh, he's a good bloke, though. Uh-huh. Don't hold it against him. But he's a uh, who's the best and worst Irish roommates you have? Because obviously you'd be rooming with different people then. Yeah. Uh, well, because of COVID, we haven't roomed together much in recent times, but. I room with Bundy during the autumn. Um, everyone gave him shit that he was a really bad snorer and all this, but uh, I actually thought he was a pleasant roommate. And um, I remember we beat Japan and then we had a meal and stuff in, in the team room that we went up together and watched the movie. So it was really romantic. And uh, yeah. <laughs> the um, notebook, was it? Yeah. We just watched, like, I don't know, just one of them romantic movies and, just all fell asleep. It was brilliant. Um, so I don't have a worse, but um, Bunny was actually, from what I'd heard about snoring and what to expect, I, I was pleasantly surprised. And we've, we've met Bane a couple of times today. Now, uh, I've seen him on Instagram. I'm just in awe of the size of him. He's a, he's a serious piece of meat now. That dog. <laughs> But uh, P, Patrick Malarkey here is just asking, how do you feel about your dog becoming almost as famous as yourself in Galway? After this podcast, probably more famous. Uh, driving, yeah. driving through Salt Hill a couple of weeks ago. He said, driving through Salt Hill a couple of weeks ago, him and his rugby mad daughter announced, uh, oh my God, there's Finley Beelham's dog. So you you were secondary to the dog now when they drive past you. <laughs> yeah, well, I think Bane's quite an unusual breed as well. So I'm yet to see another one um, in my life. So uh, obviously Bane, he is bigger head than me. Like it's big, man. 
but uh, I often take Bane to Salt Hill and then bring him down to the beach uh, at Grattan Beach and let him off the lead. And there's loads of dogs there, and he runs around playing with dogs and goes bananas. So I often be walking him, and then a few cars be beeping, and the lads will see you or whatever. And um, but yeah, no, Bane. I, I think I kind of when I see the dogs on the beach and stuff, I know all the dogs' names, but I don't know the owners. It's weird. So like, um, so like, there's this dog called Ben on the beach and Bane and Ben are like, like, like that. They're the best mates. Um, there's a few other ones, but I wouldn't have a clue about the owner. So, uh, yeah. Next question was by far the most asked question, but I, I, ch- I chose Pauline Healy's on Twitter. Who does the hair for you, Finley? And <laughs> talk about the hair. Where, do, where's the inspiration come from? Okay. Talk us through it. Well, I haven't cut my hair. I had the buzz cut when we went into the first lockdown back in two years ago and uh i said to my fiance i said sarah I was like oh i want to grow my hair long and this is like when i had a shaved head and she was like oh yeah okay and then obviously i cut the sides and then kept growing along and i kind of had in my head that i wanted to like grow it long like the way the rest of us would have had it long and then we started watching a tv show called vikings yeah i don't know if you guys have watched it and then um the way like Ragnar and Ivar and Uber and all, all those guys would braid the hair and, and all that. Um, I was like, fuck, like this, that's, that's a look, man. And then with the beard and stuff. So I had the beard and hair and I was like, I'm, I'm going to get my hair braided like Ragnar or Ivar. And um, that's where that came from. So the odd time in, in the gym when we've had a tough few days in the training pitch and it's like the last gym session and the lads have a day off, I'd often do a Ragnar or Ivar speech to to kind of get the mood up and get the lads all buzzing for for the weight session. So I got the inspo from Vikings, Vikings. So, and I kind of think it's fitting that when the game day gets closer, I uh, get the hair braided like a Viking and then get ready to go to Voila on, uh, on the Saturday. Embrace that Viking then. You wouldn't go, you wouldn't go with the one single braided beard. No, I don't know, man. I like, I have to get married in the summer, man. And I don't know how, Sarah lets me get away with half the like the braids and whatever. So I don't want to push it too far. She'd be like, you've gone too far now. Uh, and does her does her uh, does her fiance braid them for you? No, I get it braided in Quiff, which is in Westside, and then there's a lovely girl who's a um family friend of Sarah. Uh her name's Kelly. She she braids my hair for me, so um she's brilliant. I'm in and out in 30 minutes and all ready to go to Voila and drink ale from curved horns. Uh, Owen Harrison on Instagram has asked a very actually uh, incredible Owen as always. Really the actual technical the, questions now. Yeah, and actually, yeah, no, none of this messing around. Uh, he said, "What are the differences in demands in a prop skill set between a Farrell system and a Joe Schmidt system?" Um, that's a good question. I think, I think in, with with Faz, um. I think it doesn't matter what number you have on your back that you have to be able to obviously be a ball player and offer yourself for the team that you're not, if you're a tighter prop, you just have a license to get to every rock and just do nothing. Like you have to be adding value, whether that's doing those outdoor passes or carrying hard and square to get over the game line or running good lines. And um, I would just say that the big thing for me is that I've learned is that it doesn't matter what number you have on your back, you have to add value and you have to make the person next to you feel good, and that whether that's having good energy in defence or being able to, you know, run the right lines or 
pull the right passes and in, in, in a game that um, you just have to be able to do it. So um, I'd say that's probably one of the big differences. You said growing up, you played a fair bit of league. Do you think that that, that, cause obviously Farrell he was league uh, predominantly as a player and come up through that league kind of system. Do you think that that's, that's had an influence in his style and that's why he demands that of his players, you know, it doesn't matter what numbers on the back you, you get going, you get run hard. Like, yeah, I think so. Like in, in rugby league, like, um, there's a lot of serious athletes in, in rugby league and it's a very attritional game. So um, obviously Faz played a lot of, lot of rugby league when in his career and um, obviously brought over some of the, those kind of aspects into some of the way we play. But um, yeah, it's uh, they're obviously two completely different games again as well. And um, I suppose there's a lot of similarities in the way you want tight lines and squareness in, in rugby league that, does transfer over to some parts of Union. Uh, Tom Daly on Instagram and <laughs> Tom Tom Daly. Yeah, this is we friend always do this to the end. Yeah, friend of the show. In fairness, we, we should really he should really be working for us now. He does that many questions for us. The Daily yeah. Mail. Um, he, he's getting the, the Daily scoop. Mail. <laughs> he's getting the scoop. Is right. Uh, I love Tom's questions because they're always when you read them without context, they're just like normal questions, but they're always like there's they're something coming at the on, end. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah. So he asks, who puts up the best stories on Instagram? In <laughs> I know exactly what he's on about here. <laughs> oh, no. uh, enlighten the audience. Uh, I'm not going to say who, because he could get offended, but one of the boys puts up these like stinking stories, man, all the time. It's just like, and either if Tom sees it first, he sends it to me. And then if <laughs> I see it, I send it to him. And then we just get a good laugh out of it. But like, I'm not going to name who it is because um, they're probably going to offend it. But, his stories are mud, like that. Like it's just like, oh man. Is he aware that you're you're chatting about him behind his back, or is this entirely just you and Tom? Um, and well, it's just a bit of banter, but um, yeah, it's just we just have a good laugh. But uh, I'm I'm going straight yeah. on Instagram after this to try and find yeah. out who it is. <laughs> no I, Instagram. I, I didn't say any names. It, it might be a player. I don't know. Then, oh, nice nah, one. It's a that's a good point. Yeah, uh, why not? <laughs> yeah, I can't say. I can't say. We have one more question. We have uh, form, two former guests who are asking questions. This is a Ramp Lee, Big Papa, says, uh, we're all obviously gutted. He's leaving now at the end of the season. But he said, are you going to miss Big Papa when he leaves? Oh, look, I'm going to miss uh, Big Papa um, dearly. He's uh, really embraced the, the Viking kind of culture and stuff that I've brought in. And um, he's often been a help me with some of my speeches in the gym and along with that I'm gonna really miss um miss him coming in for coffee and then showing me how to make flat whites and stuff he's a man he can do it all does haircuts coffees um but then on the pitch he's uh, a destroyer so I'm definitely gonna miss him a lot uh I hope though that he'll stay in touch with me and even though I slagged him about his cod playing ability earlier that he would still like to play with me and still like to be friends but uh you yeah i'm definitely gonna miss him you're saying he can do haircuts now there's a there's conflicting reports uh paul boyle reckons he was bullying young lads into paying him 20 quid to cut their hair he denies <laughs> this to the ground uh, during lockdown can you confirm or deny whether or not big papa was forcing academy players to pay him um, to cut their hair i saw him cut academy players hair but i didn't know if there was a transaction involved but uh I fortunately obviously was growing hair, so I never had to book in at his barbershop. But um, I thought some of the haircuts he did were right. He did Tiki's hair recently enough and gave him a 
lovely fresh fresh fade. So um, that is a man of many talents. Decent singer. I saw him on Instagram last night belting out a few tunes on his karaoke machine. Man, he can do it all that. He's, yeah. uh, he's actually probably, uh, I would say, he's probably one of the funniest people I've ever met. He's such a good man. He seems like an absolute gentle, right? Yeah. I don't know if I've ever had any dealings with him. He is. Yeah, he's a proper, proper good man. We've had a fantastic time. I had high hopes of you coming on the podcast and you have delivered. And I have failed, but thank you. Not at all. Yeah. You've been fantastic. Bain we've, was we've the bothered real star. You. Just leave that Bain there. was the real star. Well, uh, well, like, he, you know why he's doing that now? It's because he's, um, it says nearly five o'clock. It's because he's getting hungry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, we've, we've bothered you for an hour and 15 minutes. So, Finley, we really do appreciate you coming on your time off. Best of luck for the rest of Six Nations and best of luck for Connor for the rest of the season. Uh, and we'll have you on again sometime. Cheers, Finley. Yeah, man. I love that. Thanks so much for having me, lads. And uh, yeah, we'll be on again for sure. Uh, thank you.